A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. had the ball like this and he ran and I was joking running after him to grab his tail and what happened was that uh, he slid on a throw rug and I tripped on the, on the rug he slid on that's what happened oh man <laughs> not 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 very exciting story can you try to help us understand when will life get back to normal when how long does this last you know it's going to be a matter of you know several weeks to few months for sure. If I reach something where there's a, a fundamental disagreement we have based on a moral principle, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll develop some disease and say I have to resign. Okay. <laughs> so here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I've, I was, Biden had, I haven't listened to the whole thing, but Joe Biden had a, a, um, a, uh, it took an audience with Chris Wallace last. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry, with Jake Tapper last week, and um, and just those two cuts there with him and chasing the dog naked out of the shower, chasing the dog's <laughs> tail. Who doesn't do that? Tom? Absolutely normal to me. <laughs> and then his thing where I'm going to resign. It's not a funny joke. It's not a context. Just this crazy, <laughs> shocking tangent. And so when I, you know, I, I tweeted that out there, and I had people say, oh, well, and you stood by, and you enabled Trump this whole time, and you don't call out his lies, don't, like, uh, that, that's, that's neither here nor there. First of all, I think we've acknowledged Trump's flim-flammering, but he doesn't have a dog story. He doesn't have something where he does something absolutely bizarre. Now, his... Like campaign where he talked about the the scorpion and the viper or whatever again again that was weird. And by the way, <laughs> remember you didn't want another Trump. That's why we have Biden. My point is this: is that congratulations, this is your guy. I have no animus towards Joe Biden. I don't care. I'm fine. I don't. I don't hate him. I'm not angry at him. I've followed him for a long, long time. But you, it was all about you were hurt. Your feelings were hurt. And so no matter what, Trump had to go. Well, Trump's going to go, and now you get to see exactly how you got him to go. And this is bizarre. It's not normal. It's fine. 
Remember, you said you wanted normal, so I don't know how you feel about it. <laughs> it's not normal. You were too angry and too upset and hyperventilating too loudly to, to look and, and pay any attention, ignoring odd allegations about him and and other, you know, ignoring the fact that, what was it that, that said, oh, yes, that's right, it is, is that Jake Tapper lets this go. Let's all this, the stuff Biden says about... Um, about, I'm sorry, that Biden says about the dog and the Kamala stuff. I got out of the shower. I got a dog and anybody's been around my house knows dropped a little pup, dropped a ball in front of me and for me to grab the ball. And I'm walking through this little alleyway to get to the bedroom and I grabbed the ball like this and he ran and I was joking, running after him to grab his tail. <laughs> By the way, there are confirmed reports that the Secret Service... Um, complained that Biden would skinny dip with female Secret Service agents around. This is from while well, he was vice president. Ugh. Congratulations, uh, champ and major. Okay, but wait, can I? Does anyone like you've been a dog owner for a long mm-hmm. time with a lot of different and a shower. dog parts? Yes. <laughs> shower, yes. Um, you've even put your dog in the shower. I have video evidence right. of that. That's um, on my YouTube channel. That's from, that's from um, 1989, I think. So it's quite old. Yeah. So. Was there ever a time when you got out of the shower and you were still naked and you picked up a ball to play catch with your dog? After being glistening, (laughs) refreshingly clean, there's nothing I want to do more than wrestle with a dandery, shedding dog. And grabbing his tail while you're naked. Which they always seem to like, which is one of those tried and true dog play things. I'd be scared to pull a dog's tail right. when they're naked because I'd be afraid it was going to turn around and nip me while You make I'm a great naked. point, like, actually. I'd be afraid. You make a great point, and let me just talk to the guys out there. Guys, would you agitate a dog <laughs> naked, especially a German shepherd, that could damage you in ways that are quite personal? I would say uh, I would say to, to refrain for a moment till you get out of the hallway where the dog dropped the you ball. You sorry, in front the alleyway. Of yeah, the alleyway. The <laughs> Which dog... is who describes <laughs> any part of their house as an alleyway. It's fine. I have no problem with them. I have no problem. I have no problem with Biden. I do love the dogs. Those two dogs are great German shepherds. But congratulations, this is your guy. I have no. I, I have no problem. And I understand that you're saying or you're under that you're angry. That's how dare you? Your guy was a clown clown show and this and that. Okay, fine. That's fine. No, now he's your guy. Now he's the normal guy. You know. And so, so let's. Do the good due diligence you did noticing my guy's faults the last four years and notice your guy a little bit. Wait, but so I just, like, didn't his press people, like, sit him down and try to all work out a story about the broken ankle thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it doesn't matter, Alice. And what happened was that uh, he slid on a throw rug and I tripped on the, on the rug he slid on. That's what happened. Oh, man. <laughs> not not, not very exciting story. You heard the cross-examination there, Project Tapper. Oh, man. The there you go. Thing, cross-examination done. The other thing about this story that bothers me is it's like there's just too many elements. Like, when he's first, he's getting out of the shower. I thought he was going to say he, like, uh, slipped getting out of the shower. Mm-hmm. And then there's the dog. So I'm like, does he trip over the dog no. coming out of the shower? But then it's, or, no, the ball. Maybe he's going to slip on the ball. No, it's a rug. Like, there's just, like, a lot of... There's a lot of ups and downs in the story. Alice, like, why? No, because he was in the midst of a very virile <laughs> activity. A very virile and physical activity. Old people slip and fall in the shower. That's not Biden. He's not old. He's in the best shape. Uh. No. He was doing something, yeah, jocular and virile. He's very young and virile. 
wrestling with a dog naked. That's fine. <laughs> but the reason why they can craft this crap, throw it out there like that, is because people like Casey Hunt. Casey Hunt is the NBC News Capitol Hill correspondent. Couldn't help herself. Um, she tweets about Joe Biden over the weekend. I'm just struck by the reality that we'll now have a president who, as a rule, doesn't lie, even when it might be easier. That was just one. We had a couple of others over the and weekend. And that was in thing. reaction to him saying that he wasn't going to tell them whether or not he spoke to Mitch McConnell. Right. So that thing about not lying is a reaction to being stonewalled by him. To exactly. him not answering a question. Yes, she's celebrating. Oh, he's stonewalled us. He just stiff-armed us, and that's it. He's not giving... I love that. And we heard last <laughs> week, we played a bunch of audio last week with other people saying, it's so great. It's weird to have a... He doesn't lie to us. Re- I mean, he'll tell you the story of the dog, naked shower, <laughs> alley, chase, ball, pull tail, and somehow he hurt his foot. That's fine. Yes. at the throw rug, too. There's throw rug. throw rug factoring exactly. in there. There's a lot going on exactly. in that story. So, Mr. Biden, I know your renovation is almost done, so what we're going to do here is right outside of the shower, we're going to have the slipperiest alleyway ever known to man. But no, 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 don't worry. Don't worry, Mrs. Biden, either. There's a throw rug here that'll add the most minimal amount of traction to save your life. But you mean what? Horseplay with a dog here? Sure. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's not at all. That's not at all risky. I mean, definitely don't put one of those things under the rug that makes it like not no. slip. Those rubber no. things. No. Uh, Champ doesn't like those things. They they irk him. <laughs> Jeez, is it his, champ or major? His ball. And also, Doggy. by the way, I've had a lot of dogs. And I don't remember one of them like waiting for me outside of the shower with his ball. That's definitely a screw off zone. Get out of here zone. You're not. We play maybe downstairs and over there. We're not playing here, me and you. In the master bathroom. Like Greco-Roman naked wrestling. Me and this uh Wolf. <laughs> I mean, it's so weird. It's frankly, it's weirder than the Access Hollywood tape. Yes, of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> but the funny thing is, and people have been saying, oh, it's funny. Finally, we have somebody who doesn't lie, doesn't lie. And Tapper never, you know, cross-examined. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. The dog was him. I understand it's kind of a honeymoon interview, and maybe you want to. I understand what Tapper's doing a little bit. But for your own sake, you got to ask, really? Like, <laughs> how does that work exactly? With you with a dog, and you're gonna pull his tail <laughs> as he walks. So, wait a second, are we playing fetch or are we playing? You throw the ball, champ goes to grab the ball, you hurl yourself at his tail. That all seems very <laughs> normal, but it's fine. Remember, I mean, this is a guy who had to in the late 80s cancel, drop his run for president. For lying, for lying about his record, for lying about for plagiarizing, right? For lying about his college transcripts, transcripts, his college grades, for lying about marching in the civil rights movement. He said he did. He was right there. He was, you know, right there with everybody else. He wasn't. He was nowhere there to be. No, that's it. He was having razor blade fights with a supposed <laughs> badass Corn at the pop. swimming pool. <laughs> He had to quit then. I mean, this is a guy who's got... He was born... If his Secret Service name isn't Corn Pop, then, oh, <laughs> then, oh, then oh, people are sleeping no. on the job. Well, he, remember, he 
swims nude in front of them. So I'm sure there's, <laughs> they've got a lot of uh, corn cob, maybe. Um, but anyway, but this guy's his introduction into American national politics was as a liar, plagiarist, and as a punchline. Once again, I've got no personal problem with the guy. He's as cynical a politician as there is, but that's fine. Anybody who's been there for decades and decades from either party, they're like that. That's how they are. They've got big white teeth like he has, <laughs> and they, they're back slapping, uh, and they have to lie when they have to, when they have to kill people, when they have to politically do it, and it's just fine. But the fact that they've nobody's going to say anything. And then he says this, and this is when somebody said, somebody, it's actually who's a renowned person in, uh, I'll just say a renowned person and. That's enough. Uh, who uh, who said you're questioning this? Yet you were you helped elevate and uh, and you know and bring us Trump. The thing we are simpatico on. This is about Biden and Kamala. They ask him our philosophy of government and simpatico on how we want to attach approach these issues that we're facing. And so I don't have. And when we disagree, it'll be just like so far. It's been just like when Barack and I did. It's in private. She'll say, I think we should do A, B, C, or D. And I'll say I don't. I like A. Don't like B and C. Mm-hmm. And let's go. Okay, but and I like I told Barack if 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 I reach something where there's a a fundamental disagreement we have based on a moral principle, I'll uh, I'll, I'll 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 develop some disease and say I have to resign. Um, we we don't have that. I'm a, we haven't and we discussed at length mm-hmm. our views on foreign policy. Yeah. So no no you didn't. I'm not glossing over this. I'm still waiting for some kind of, that was a joke, by the way, or context. I'll develop some kind of disease, and I'll resign. And he finishes this up. Domestic policy on intelligence. And the great thing is she has a background in the Senate on intelligence, the Intelligence Committee. She has a background in the Senate on a whole range of things that are going to be pertinent to what we have to do. But it's going to be, I think so much is going to be incoming, Jake, yeah. It's a matter about... Jake, anything catch your ear, by the way? I know. About 20 seconds ago? Anything jump out at you by a little, oh my God, holy Jesus, bizarre? Who, who, who takes what when? If I reach something where there's a, a fundamental disagreement we have based on a moral principle, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll develop some disease and say I have to resign. Holy Jesus, get the push, push messages out. Get the Chiron guy going freaking nuts and panel a whole bunch of people to say, oh, Jesus, we've already got a constitutional situation here. This guy is either saying the most subtle, corrosive, destabilizing joke in the world, or he said something here that is wacky and true, purposefully or not. Or he said something that's just unhinged because he's lost his mind. Somebody get on this. Somebody, uh, you know, unearth Daniel Dale from his shallow grave behind the <laughs> CNN building or whatever you need to do. That's freaking a shocking quote. If I reach something where there's a... A fundamental disagreement we have based on a moral principle. I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll develop some disease and say I have to resign. <laughs> it's a little specific too, and she's there. Kamala's there, right there next to him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is shocking. The one thing I can think is that maybe. So he said he said this to Barack. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's saying Kamala will have to develop a disease and resign if there's a disagreement, because he said he told Barack. That he develop a disease and resign, like if if that's the damage control, 
That's that the it, best interpretation I can come up with. That's the least damaging interpretation. <clears throat> but the, the best thing is, is the media is so f- much invested in this guy. So much invested in him. That they simply look at this and say... Oh, okay, cool. No, well, they don't say that. They say, oh my God, that didn't happen. <laughs> you know what? That didn't happen. It just didn't happen. Didn't happen. Focus on the uh, 100 days for masks. Focus on that. We're not gonna. We're not going to uh, talk about this shocking thing that he said. So they spend their time. They all know that happened. Producers in, in Jake's ear probably said, "Jake, just keep going, keep going, keep going. Don't worry about it. Jake, don't worry about it. Jake, don't worry about it. And I know this. I remember, and I've, I've told the story before. When 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 um when Jake when uh, Biden said earlier this year in uh, I, I, Iowa, um, no, you didn't. You're a liar, dog face, pony soldier. To the woman mm-hmm. the, who asked him the question. I visited a, a television station who was near in the same building, and I was talking to one of the producers, and I said, wow, this is great. You guys must be leading with the Biden calling a woman a dog-faced pony. And a guy, the, the executive stops and says, no, 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 it's an old thing. It's a John Wayne thing. He always says that. I was like, and I, what, are you sure? Because <laughs> he doesn't always ever say that. No one ever says that always. He's like, yeah, it's a John Wayne thing. He was so quick to want to just put it to bed. Whatever it took, just put it to bed. And that's what they're, they're pretending this didn't just happen. This is a crazy bizarre. You have to stop him and ask him what if, what should have happened if they didn't mm-hmm. want Tapper to do it. There should have been somebody who at least talked to the flack and say, "Can we get a second with him again? Because he just said something about resigning. We just want to iron it out." And either he could give him Biden in the hallway again, who will then be coached on what to say. Oh, come on, uh, come on, man! I was joking. Can't you? Do or or issue a statement. But they know that they don't have to. Yeah, they, they don't want to draw media. any attention to the it The PR at all. person looks at the media, the, the the TV producer and the host, and stares daggers and <laughs> says, no, don't even dare ask questions. You know what this fight is about? And they know what the fight is about because they've been celebrating because they've been part of the fight. If I reach something where there's a, a fundamental disagreement <laughs> we have based on a moral principle, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll develop some disease and say I have to resign. So um, on the topic of disease, Biden said a few days ago, showing leadership, that he's going to ha- ask everybody to wear a mask for 100 days. It's a nice, clear, easy number. 100. That's very bold. 100 days. 100 days, which is completely arbitrary. It doesn't mean any. It's obviously right. it's empty. 100 days mask um, uh, announcement is Trump in front of the church with the Bible announcement, except Trump's thing was a photo op, which is horrific and disgusting and terrible. What Biden said was absolutely that was leadership. This is why, listen to this. This is CNN reacting to Biden saying, I'm going to ask everybody to wear a mask for 100 days after I'm inaugurated. Such a big difference. And it is such a new kind of way of approaching this pandemic than we've seen. It's It's called a plan. It's called a plan. You don't recognize it. It's called a plan. Make us wear masks for 100. That's called a plan. What's this all about AstraZeneca and Pfizer and all these other people who are utilizing parts, if not whole, uh, you know, whole elements of uh, warp speed to get the stuff to market? No, 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 no. That's not a plan. No, no, no that's not that, that's not a plan. You know, cutting off all the stuff Trump does does is not <coughs> is not a plan. All the stuff that the, our health response, led by Fauci, who's your guy, I think that's not a plan. Biden <laughs> saying, "I want to chase a dog naked." And, <laughs> <clears throat> I'll bang in sick if we disagree and I'll resign. I want you to wear a mask 100 days. Oh, my God, it's a plan. This is incredible. actually lost the word for it. You don't know how to describe it anymore. It's called a plan. 
Will it work? Uh, that's what our medical experts tell us it will. But it oh. has a start and a finish. A hundred days of a plan. Can you land. imagine uh, these freaking idiots? Can you imagine? <laughs> so, you know, so- they're allowed to wear a mask for a hundred days, even if Biden weren't president. No, it's a plan. And he asked people. Even if he didn't say that. <laughs> he asked people to show, you know, a hundred days that you do this. And it's also asking for collective action, Jeff. It's saying we're all in this. Bringing more it's people in. somewhat, I hesitate to say, Churchillian. I mean, we talk. It's somewhat what? Churchillian. <laughs> That's I think great. that means like Winston Churchill. I think I, I, assume, I assume it meant something like that. Churchillian. Talk about wartime presidents. This is saying we're all in this together. Let's do this now. We've talked this morning about how Joe Biden, I don't even know if he's doing it intentionally, but he's he's bringing down the temperature. Oh, and he does Jesus it in Christ. every statement. Oh. I mean, this he's consistent. He is steady Eddie on this. Steady he Eddie. doesn't <laughs> rise to celebrate, and nor does he take the bait uh, when he could Can't lob, rise you know, to an celebrate. easy insult or something. He just stays sort of, I don't know, I mean, he said confident and determined. What do you hear there? He will be tested, and he will be baited, I think, to come off that high road that he is trying to walk very carefully and intentionally. And you can see him tiptoe through the interview at times with Jake, trying to stay on the high road, but he does. And Jake, as a journalist, just let us in on what what it was like like preparing for this interview, the difference between interviewing President-elect Biden and President Trump. You, all of us, um, several times interviewed Donald Trump when he was running for president. And I remember... That it was that feeling of having to fact check a lot Jesus. in real time. You had to really kind of be up on everything because it was an unpredictable experience. And you had to make sure that you held his feet to the fire if he was going to make some sort of claim that you knew not to be true. Sounds like so a, how did you prepare for this club one? For and how that, was it different? What was it? Shades of Grey? What was that thing? Fifty Shades. Yeah, that's what it's. Jesus. My God, and I felt warm and something was alive inside of me for the first time in such a long time. Right? Sheila, yeah. Holy Jesus. Well, and I like but the that is why when he says something like... If I reach something where there's a, a fundamental disagreement we have based on a moral principle, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll develop some disease and say I have to resign. 100 days of masks. Wow. Churchill said that too, right, Jake? Yeah, 100 days. Wait, nobody, nobody said anything about resigning, did they? I'm seeing tweets... No, no, he's Churchill. Hundred <laughs> days. Oh. I've watched a. Uh, doesn't really matter, but I watched a sixty minutes interview with Jackie Gleason today, Alice. Do you know who Jackie Gleason is? I do. My oh, parents got the idea for the name Alice from the Honeymooners. Oh, very nice, Alice. So. Very nice. And I, I issued no su- such threats to you, by the way, do I? No. Thank you. Uh, and anyway, I'm, the point is this. They don't make him like Gleason anymore. He's fantastic. He was about 70 years old. During, I actually watched this with my dad in 84 when it came out in on 60 Minutes. It was with um, Morley Safer. 
And Gleason, at that time, he'd have a cocktail, but he also uh, smoked five packs a day. Can you imagine? But anyway, he talked like people don't talk to me. I'm going to grab some Gleason for next time. It just reminds me of like how vacuous, airheaded, and nothingness. These guys, these reporters that we just heard, those are shipping peanuts. That's all they are. There's nothing to them. They've got no value. I would take Champ and um, and Major and the Cat doing their best newscast over those idiots anytime. You know, at least with the animals doing it, you'd have no pretense. You know, these dummies on CNN you jump into a suit and pretend that they're thinking of human beings, but they're not. But uh, that's it. I got something, real, some real fun stuff to talk about today, but I think I got to get the, the. I think we should get the housekeeping out of the way first. We're going to burn through this, and then I'm going to get to some other stuff here. Um, uh, I, uh, I had the. I. I had the uh, okay. First, we'll hit the Brennan, the Fox stuff very quick. Fox is done, finito, done in the morning anyway. And somebody, Chris Wallace, who I really loved uh, until a few months ago, he's now he's just uh, he's just burnt. He's blown a fuse. He's done. He's as yeah as uh, Biden would say, no as uh, Trump would say, Biden. He's not finished. What is he saying about Biden? He's finished, fixed. He's. Biden's wrecked. He would have this thing he'd say about him. Anyway, John Brennan, the former CIA guy who was large, a good part of the coup against Donald Trump, is invited onto Fox News, which itself is a statement that Fox News, because this guy is a bad guy, Brennan, who probably mm-hmm. should be behind bars. He's also an incompetent and a greasy dude. And a socialist. Right, and a socialist. Um, and he was on Fox News Sunday. And uh, Chris Wallace asked him, first of all, he should never be on there. He should never be on there. It's like giving, you know, uh, Peter Stroke, like, a uh, part in five. You, you don't do that. <laughs> but Brennan's a dirtbag, but he was on there today. You, you talked about the FISA warrant to, to surveil Carter Page. And uh, the inspector general uh, for the FBI said that that was improper. The lawyer who, who uh, took actually some statements from the CIA and, and doctored them has pled guilty to a crime. What about what seems to be the pretty total discrediting of the Steele dossier? Well, uh, as we have said previously, the Steele dossier was not used in any way to uh, undergird the judgments that came out of the intelligence community assessment about the Russian actions in the 2016 election. And so the the Steele dossier was something that I never... Yes, but the intelligence assessments that came out of the... Uh, intelligence or organizations were used in the Steele dossier. So in other words, the CIA had been working with Papadopoulos and Carter Page, and certainly Carter Page, already, and had informed the FISA warrant authors that there was a, that this guy was clean, but the, F, the, 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 the guy, Justice Department guy, erased it and said, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. No, he's not, he's not a spy. Because the judge said, why is this guy hanging out with Russians? Is it because he's a spy? And the CIA said, yes. But then the, the attorney for the, the Justice Department said, no, 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 it's not. That's not why. And that's why that guy's busted now. Mm-hmm. But Brennan was a huge part of this to promulgate this whole thing. He was right there with Obama the whole the whole way. This guy is so lucky he's not in jail. He's a dirt bag. And for Chris Wallace to not push back at all. Bert's, you know, looked at from a standpoint of credibility because it wasn't something that the CIA had acquired. And so I think, you know, people point to the steel dust. Wrong. It was something that the CIA 
<coughs> had uh, nullified. <laughs> and all Brennan had to do was bring that up. But they were all in. They were all in on, let's put a trace on Trump. Let's get on him because this guy is going to be dangerous. So we'll take him down before anything happens. That's exactly what happened. And this dirtbag was in charge. Not in charge, sorry. The, um, the dog tackler was one of the people <laughs> in charge. This guy was one of the accomplices. As this, you know, reason why the whole thing was a hoax. No, there was so much other evidence and intelligence to support those judgments. So I am very comfortable with how the intelligence community came out on that 2016 election. He is a dirtbag. <clears throat> there was not so much more intelligence. There was not so much more intelligence. They saw what they wanted to see. They mm -hmm. tried to snare Papadopoulos. They didn't snare him. They tried to snare Carter Page. They didn't snare him. They just set these people up enough to try to garner enough copy to jam it into uh to to you to jam it into these warrants and to use so the justice department could try to get those two guys on process charges and bust them and have those guys flip and turn over trump but it never happened because they were all clean right and i mean even the way you look at how people on the left talk about this stuff i mean they're still talking about Trump like he's literally the Manchurian candidate, Putin's puppet, and all this stuff. None yeah. of that came true. None of that came he true. He willfully took a meeting with a Rus Russian agent. Right First there of all, but, but people should know about the meeting in Trump Tower. Nobody said, hey, I'm a Russian agent. Want to take a meeting? A woman who happened to be Russian said, want to take a meeting? I have stuff on Hillary. To which at that time, the media said, oh, my God, you would never do that. If I were running the campaign for my dad, I'd say, hell Yeah. <laughs> of course you would. Maybe I've, not in writing. <laughs> right. I have I have stuff. I mean, you don't know anything. You do Oppo Research search? Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jesus, the Oppo Research that they used for the Pfizer warrant was paid for by Hillary Clinton. Go ahead. I interrupted you, Alice. I've got to learn to do that less. No, that was it. It's just that, like, none of this stuff has been borne out. It's the same stuff about Trump being a fascist, like, and putting people on trains or in camps or like, I mean, if he were a fascist, he'd be a fascist, I think. Or if he were right. in Putin's pocket, there would have been some, like, we would have been selling uranium to the <laughs> Russians or something, you know? Right. Like, there would have been some there there, but there's nothing has happened that bears any of that out. I mean, is he sort of sleazy and, you know, willing to en enrich himself mm -hmm. by the power of his office? Sure, but who in Washington isn't? You know? Oh, right. When I heard that news story, which was last week, which big, important media people like Dan Kennedy, who teaches journalism <laughs> at Northeastern, said, ha ha, when they said Trump was selling pardons for for cash or whatever. Right. I thought, that seems about right. He, that's something that he would do. That's something that maybe I would do. <laughs> but it, that story just went away. <laughs> well, because I don't think, uh, as far as I know... They weren't able to come up with the name of anybody who actually bought a pardon. Right. No. They, they <laughs> so, said somebody really wanted to get a pardon. And maybe Trump that person. entertained it or whatever. Right. Like, no, no. Well, it, it, it was all. It wasn't even him. I don't think he's stupid enough. This is a guy who assumes that he, the feds have been watching him for a long time. And they probably have been. So this is the. This is really what. This is the death note for Chris Wallace. While he's giving a back rub to Brennan. <laughs> Uh, Alex Azar, the, uh, Trump's HHS secretary, uh, joined him. If President Trump had worn a mask then and urged everyone to wear a mask... By the way, if President Trump had worn a mask since day one, how many people uh, in this country do you think would have never worn a mask? Uh, 
about 51%, the 51% exactly. that voted for Biden. And these CNN people would say, no, mask. that does not You're make, a paranoid and racist if you wear a mask. Remember that would have been when it. When Trump mentioned chloroquine, suddenly he was a murderer. He killed a woman out in the <laughs> Western mass of Western United States somewhere. He literally killed No, he killed the killed woman's the husband. Yeah. Yes, he literally has blood in his hands, said Ben Rhodes or some idiot from the Pod Save America. <laughs> he killed a man. They told us that. Nobody even knew. They just knew Trump said something. See that it does something evil, and then write it up. And mostly, if it's not true, then who cares? Mostly, that woman just wanted to murder her right. husband. Um, but to go back to that, and I read you this. There was an NBC story that I read on this podcast earlier this year, where it talked about in the litany of ways they were complaining that Trump had screwed up the pandemic because this was back when people weren't supposed to wear masks. One of the things they complained about is that he was privately obsessed with masks and kept asking the public health experts, why do doctors wear them if they don't work? And they were making fun of that because that was March. So we, the world was anti-mask then. Just but- so you, if, you, if you pay attention, you probably already know how stupid this media is. <laughs> Instead of that, they've got Bob Woodward talking to Trump where Trump says to him, you know, I, it's very serious, and also, I want to downplay it. And they've got recordings of it, nice and scratchy recordings, and that was considered, oh, my God, this is incredible. He needs to step down immediately. He killed those people he knew. He always knew. He always said that. At something that Those are things he also said in public, constantly. Since the beginning, he said it was very, very um, deadly if it could kill you. He also said it was the flu. Uh, in in its in its deadliness to in in other quadrants, he also said that that um that it'll be over soon. He also said it might be what he said everything. Also, He's, by the way, the media told us that the flu was much more dangerous, and yes. to go get your flu shot instead of worrying and being. I'm glad racist you mentioned that. I'm glad you mentioned that. We're going to get to some of that stuff in a moment. So here's him with Alex Azar. Dan, back in April, the way Joe Biden is. Chris Wallace with Alex Azar. Right now, wouldn't we be in much better shape? Well, Chris, I, I, I welcome Vice President Biden to the club. Since the middle of April, the president's guidelines for reopening have called well, for wearing president masks. Elect, sir. It, the president has called. He's the, the president, president has. Did you hear that? He's the president elect, sir. That's something whispered in his ear. No, stop him, stop him. It's new management over at Fox. He's a president elect, sir. But I thought we were just talking about the president just killing hundreds of thousands of Americans. Doesn't that seem like something? He's a president elect. The president has called mass. But but first of all, it's it's the president-elect Joe Biden, Secretary Azar. And secondly, the fact is the president said on the first day, April 3rd, he wasn't g- going to wear a mask. He didn't wear a mask in public for three months until July. And that is horse bleep, making him call him the president-elect. Sure, he is the president-elect, but if Joe Biden, and I know this would never happen, dropped dead tomorrow, <laughs> um, he would be referred to as what else? Vice President Joe Biden. Correct. Jesus. So anyway, Chris Wallace has lost. That sucks. It's too bad. He was a guy who who did me a solid one time in Fox 25 in Boston when the great, beautiful, and brilliant, and wonderful Maria Stefanos, um, I was working, I was producing for Howie Carr, and Howie, we were at Fox 25 for the debates, gubernatorial debates, and Howie and Chris weren't getting along anymore. Chris, for some had something against Howie. I think Howie was intimating that Chris was in love with Mitt Romney, maybe something. Anyway, so he didn't want anything to do with Howie. But uh, I had I talked to Maria Stefanos, saw me walking through the newsroom, and said, uh, "Can I help you? Is there, what can I do for you, Tom?" And I said, um, "I'm saying she called me Tom. I assume she didn't know who it was. But as far as you know, you'll never know." She said, "What can I do for you, T Unit?" And I said, uh, <laughs> "I said I'm trying to get uh, Chris Wallace over there, but he's uh, he's not 
he, he's been avoiding Howie, so he can. She said, "Don't you, don't you worry, Tom. Don't you worry." And she went over there and grabbed him by the arm and brought Chris Wallace. She shows charming that any guy would do anything. Down the hall and made him sit with Howie, and I got credit for it. She also did one of these things where she pushed him in the room and let me follow, so it looked like I did it. She's awesome. Maria Stefanos is the most beloved woman in Boston media, and she's she, sorry, Spider. She's attack. earned it. Um. So, um. All right, I want to get to this stuff. I happen to stumble onto an interview from March 15th. This is Dr. Fauci with um, Jonathan Carl from ABC. This is the last bit of class. This is the last bit of uh, hard uh, schoolwork we'll do before we get to the fun stuff. So, uh, some very interesting things. Just remember, we've all been told again and again, I'm sure you, you, this is... Every day has been a new reality from with the coronavirus stuff, the COVID, with uh, all these new revelations of where the drugs are going and and uh, keeping their distance and the lockdowns and this and that. This is mid mid March. Doctor Fauci, Lord Fauci, the most beloved man, Saint Fauci, the most beloved man on the face of the earth. Jonathan Carl, <coughs> sorry, asks him on March fifteenth. We're all shutting down. How long are we going to have to be shut down? Now, remember, this is when businesses are just learning, right? It's March. It's about to be the season where businesses can open soon outside, where businesses need, you know, to uh, ramp up for the busy season. Things are getting good. March, March after March comes April, and April, mid-April, you know, you could have some nice days of weather, et cetera. The world can come back to normal. So what Fauci says matters, remember? Fauci says matters. Jonathan Carl asks him the question. Can you try to help us understand when will life get back to normal? When, how long does this last? You know, it's going to be a matter of, you know, several weeks to few months for sure. Well, there we go. All right. Few months for sure. That's the least. And that was back in March or April, May, June, maybe July. For sure, he said. Several weeks to a few months for sure until we can get back to normal. That's what the guy who's had this job since 1984 has told us. The exalted uh, Anthony Fauci told us. But no, Fauci's never wrong. He's supposed to, you know, he's, um, what's it called when you're incapable of error, when you're perfect? Infallible? In, n- no, not infallible. Uh, you need to get closer to that, Mike Kills. Sorry, I'm fixing a dropped knitting stitch. I see moment. that. But well, there you go. A few weeks. Well, great. If you're a business, you're like, okay, we'll we'll hunker down. Worst case scenario, it's a few months. <clears throat> we can pay out of our own pockets to keep some people on. That'll be fine. No, sorry about that. Strung along, strung along. A few months later, of course, you started getting yelled at by governors across the country. Well, Trump was trying to say, I, I, we're going to try to get stuff open. We're hopeful. We're optimistic. I want stuff to get back. I want stuff to get back. If you look at the dynamics of how outbreak curves go, you just need to take a look at China and take a look at South Korea right now. Mm -hmm. With China, they went to their peak and they are coming down right now. There were just a day or so ago, 11 new cases in China, which is minuscule compared to where it was. Korea is starting. March 15th. There were 11 new cases in China on March 15th. Raise your hand if you believe there were 11 new cases in China on March 15th. But no, we were told by Dr. Fauci that there were 11 new cases in China. 
There you go. That's good enough for me. To Fauci slipped on the rug, chasing the dog while naked, went after his tail. Flatten and maybe come down a little. If you look at that bracket, all of that was a couple of months, a month and a half for uh, China and about the same. Although you can't predict accurately, the way you interfere with that and not only diminish the peak of the curb, but even perhaps the duration depends on the effectiveness in which you do the kinds of controls that we've been talking about, the containment and the mitigation. Right. So it's over for them. They did the right thing. If you do the right thing like they did, then it'll be over for you, too. Here's well, and I think uh, our friends on the left would probably argue that the reason why it's not all over is because we didn't do it. <clears throat> right. <laughs> oh, well, that's yeah. Which is BS because the compliance was extremely high for the first couple months of this. Right. So now here's something. This is what I love. There's a key word in here. This is the key to Fauci mm -hmm. and everything we're going through. And they said it to us. As people on Twitter who need to be incarcerated say, he said the quiet part out loud. Are you confident that the federal government is doing everything that needs to be done right now to yeah. contain this? You know, right now, John, yes, absolutely. And, and the fact is, what, what I like to see is when people look at what we're doing and say you're overreacting. For me, the dynamics and the history of outbreaks is you are never where you think you are with the, with the, if you think you're in line with the outbreak, you're already three weeks behind. So you gotta be almost overreacting a bit to keep up with it. Exactly, so shut your doors. We're not really sure, we're not gonna tell you we're not sure, but shut your doors, close shop. That's all the teachers unions need to hear. Incredible. We overreacting works for us, you know. I mean, it's uh, we're we're government employees, so if we shut you down, sure your business dies. It's fine. You get laid off from your job, but I mean, we're doing fine. We can overreact left and right. We can do the overreact dance, overreact dance if we want to. We can rename a state uh, overreaction, you know, instead of uh, New Mexico. We can. <laughs> so incredibly, it just throws it out there. Yeah, yeah, we love that. We can make you overreact. Oh yeah, the thing we did with the masks, by the way, we we said, you know, idiots. We said, idiots, you don't have to, don't wear a mask. <clears throat> Those aren't good for you. Those aren't good for you. Well, and, I mean, so I got into a bit of a fight with someone on Facebook about this recently because our state, I don't know about your state, listeners, but our state has the rule that you have to wear the mask outside even if you're not within six feet of anybody else. Like, if you're just out on the street on your own by yourself with no one for miles mm -hmm. around, like, you have to wear a mask. That's the rule in Massachusetts. You can be <laughs> fined if you right. don't. So, um, you know, I said this on Facebook when people were talking about it. I said, like, this isn't this isn't borne out by science. That doesn't do anything. And that erodes public trust. If you want people to listen to you, then you should not have rules like this that clearly are not designed right. to stop diseases from spreading. And somebody said, well, if I have if I know that somebody is habitually late, I'm gonna tell them to be ready by an earlier time so that they're ready in time. And that's what this is. That's that's what they think. And that's true. That is the reason why we have right. that rule, that even when you're not within six feet of people, because they want to make sure that that you wear the mask when you are within six feet of people. So they're just going to tell you you have to wear it all the time. But Right. Well, that's not – and that's not the, – the problem that if they're telling you that you have to wear it all the time, mm -hmm. <coughs> that's obviously a, a – a, that's manipulating people. That's not the, the sinister thing in that. The sinister thing, thing in that is they'll tell you you have to wear it all the time or else you could be killing people if you don't. 
if you don't wear it all the time, by the guidelines, you'll be killing people. That's what they tell you. And that's the sinister thing. So when it's just like, it's just like like with the, the shelter-in-place thing when we had the Zarnia brothers driving around mm-hmm. the, the, the government. The government said, you need to shelter in place. It's a very dangerous situation. There's a man, these people are extremely dangerous. You, you have to stay inside, stay off the road, stay, just stay in your house, stay in your damn house. Well, we find these guys. <clears throat> now, for almost everybody in Massachusetts, you could certainly go out and drive around. There was no... There was no <laughs> But really what they were doing was just saying, we need you people to shut up and make it easy for us to try to get these guys. Just go somewhere away while we try to handle it. And it's the same with the coronavirus people. It's almost like somebody, you know, throwing the rest of their family in a safe room when there's intruders in the house. So just get out of the way. Uh, Yeah, you have to wear masks when you're contaminated and social distance (laughs) and all that stuff. Just, Just whatever it takes for you guys to shut up so we can go handle this thing. And that's what it is with the masks and the social distancing and this, close this and close this, close. It's, yeah, it's fine. We just need you to get in the corner where we handle this thing that we don't really know how to handle, but you could make it worse possibly. <laughs> and that's the problem is that, is that they're not just leveling us, with us. If they just said, we don't know, we have no idea what this freaking thing is, please help us by just wear a mask until we figure it out. We don't know. And stay downstairs, please. If you do, we don't know. We're trying to do this thing in real time. But they didn't. I've talked to other public health officials locally mm-hmm. who have said essentially that we're fighting this in real time. We don't know anything about this thing, especially when right. at the beginning, you know, but these but somebody like Fauci. No, never. There are, are about 13,000 respirators right. uh, in stockpile. 13,000 when we're looking at no, ventilators, ventilators, ventilators. Okay. I'm sorry, ventilators. Right. OK, that, that doesn't sound that doesn't sound like anywhere near enough. Are, are we prepared? Yeah. That, that may not be enough if we have a situation where we really have a lot of cases. But, but, but John, let's make sure people need to understand that things will get worse before they get better. What we're trying to do is to make sure they don't get to the worst case scenario. That's what we need to do. That may not be enough. Well, I mean, isn't that something that you may want to take a little time to tell us that there needs to be more? But he said, but 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 the worst case scenario... That may not be enough, but things will get worse before they get better. Well, for God's sakes, if that may not be enough, maybe we should talk about things getting worse before they get better by having there be enough. But no, it may not be enough. Things get worse and get better. So we don't. We didn't have enough ventilators, and we didn't have enough PPE because we used them all in 2009, where the dog wrestler and Barack Obama were fighting the swine flu. Well, and the PPE, China was exporting it from here. Well, I, the, no, no, I'm talking too. about I'm talking about in the stockpiles. Right. Okay. So in the national stockpiles, we used a lot of the stuff in the stockpiles, including ventilators and PPE, in 2009 for the H1N1 flu. So, and it was never shored up. We never got back to the levels we needed to. Now you can blame Obama. You can blame you can blame the Democratic Congress or the subsequent Republican Congresses, whatever. But Obama used the stuff, and it was not it was not replenished. That's the thing. Politics happens in D.C. Probably you look at spending bills, et cetera, and you're like, are we going to really work on scrubs in Iowa right now? Who gives a crap about that? I'm trying to bring my pork home. Whatever. Let's say it was. I can tell you that if it had been in the Trump administration and they spent on the PPE, that would have been a problem. But that's fine. It's fine. Okay. So let's say it's 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 Washington politics that PPE doesn't get rejuvenated because Congress has to appropriate the money. Then the executive branch has to use it the right way. And who knows what's going on? Let's just say that's 
the DC swamp that does it. All right. Now, is there somebody maybe in the executive branch, in the health community? Some kind of nonpartisan figure? Yes, who maybe has been there since 1984, through many administrations, who deals with communicable diseases, who maybe might have sounded an alarm at some point during this thing. Is there somebody who's maybe, I don't know, five foot one, <laughs> loves being on TV? Somebody who maybe could have said something about this? Nope. We gotta make sure that the vulnerable ones are the ones we protect. The vulnerable, the elderly and those with underlying conditions. Where the hell was this not trumpeted more loudly? If, if somebody had just done what he said right here, just got to make sure that the vulnerable ones are protected. In other words, we got to make sure that dumb governors in blue states don't kill all the old people and the veterans with conditions. But we didn't. We hit all of us, and these went in and killed all of them. It's incredible. Listen to what Fauci says. This is the key. We got to make sure that the vulnerable ones are the ones we protect. The vulnerable, the elderly, and those with underlying conditions. Those are the people that if you say, should you kind of stay in your house, not go to a movie, not go to a restaurant, for the most part, maybe most people shouldn't do that. But the ones who really shouldn't do that are the vulnerable. Right. But in the spirit of overreacting, they said, nobody should do that. Nobody goes out. We don't want to make the old people. They're voters, by the way. We don't want to single them out. So you didn't single them out, and the vulnerable ones died. Great. And this guy's supposed to be a leader. I'll give it to you. If you want to say that, yes, that's part of the executive branch, and that's Trump, sure. He'll take the hit, too. He's, he's, the, he's the, uh, the honcho of the executive branch. But don't give me this Fauci is canonized crap. <clears throat> so Carl asks him, how, how are things done in the Fauci household? Let's take a look at the press conference in the Rose Garden on Friday. Uh, we saw uh, the president's been noted shaking hands with, uh, with, with. Before we go on. We have played about three and a half minutes worth of Fauci audio. What item has not been mentioned at all? Masks. Correct. Many of the executives. Uh, we also saw you. There you are touching the microphone uh, and then touching your face. Just, just, okay. Tell me. There tell were me. two things there, John. I'm working on getting the boss to yes. do this. Yes. I may not be successful. When he says this, it's rub elbows instead of shake hands. Successful, but we're working on it. You know, sometimes there are things you have to do. If I didn't put the microphone down, yeah. you would have seen the microphone in front of my face like yeah. that. And Fauci's not going to let you not see his face. No, 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 no. It's not why he's got this gig now for 45 years. So there's some practical but what are, things. But what are you, you doing do? to protect yourself? I mean, you know, you... I'm, I'm practicing as much social distancing as I possibly can. And masks? Masks? Can. I don't go out. I just don't go. I mean, I, I have a job that's a 19-hour-a-day job. I have no interest in going to the movies, to restaurants, or to getting on a plane. Well, also, initially, social distance uh, didn't mean stay six feet apart from people. Initially, social distance meant um, not having contact outside your household with other people. If you remember. I, I don't even remember anymore. So, social distance originally in epidemiology means like if you're a very socially distanced person it means you don't see like a lot of people oh, that wow. aren't in your household you know you oh, don't wow. have a lot of contacts that you spend time with and if you're not a very socially distanced person then you like 
meet up with lots of people. You see lots of people. You have a very big circle of people that you're spending time with. That's originally what social distance meant. Now it just means stay six feet apart from people because I don't I mean, I don't know. But that that's physical distance, not social distance, technically speaking. But whatever. Right. The words of all. All right. Guys, that is the, that's the hard news so far. Remember mm. all that stuff? Now to the interesting stuff. Remember we've been told how dastardly the Trump administration has been and how they're awful and vic- vicious and Trump bad, evil, fascist, authoritarian, totalitarian, certainly xenophobic, absolutely racist, you know, anti-Semitic and misogynist. To begin with, to begin with, Hitler, Hitlerian, obviously, that's Trump, remember So to prove that he's any of these things, Trump has done none of these things. So this is quietly done in a subliminal way, I guess. That's fine. Barack Obama, good Democrat, uses the IRS to go after um, Republican organizations, conservative organizations, uses the branch of government with an authority arm, by the way, to go after and hassle uh, Tea Party organizations, goes after the media, does all these dirty tricks, et cetera. The previous administration, of course, he didn't. the media was, was hands-off with him, you know, just like they are with Biden now, just talking about how... Well, he has a plan. Obama had a plan. The plan included, you know, a drone striking an American citizen overseas, and the plan included running guns into Mexico and having them kill border agents with the guns. The plans, there were plenty of plans. That's fine. <laughs> you didn't bother learning about the plans. The plans included not sending help to Benghazi because you were trying to win re-election and having the guys get over there get slaughtered. You know, plans. He had plenty of plans. <clears throat> well, just to show you that uh, there is nothing new and the example that we're going to use here is a Democrat from quite a while ago, but it um, it, it replies to replies to I'm sorry applies to uh, Republicans as well. But in 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 a podcast, a Jonah Goldberg talked to this guy named Paul Matsko, who wrote a book called The Radio Right: How a Band of Broadcasters Took on the Federal Government and Built the Modern Conservative Movement. And you can get this. We'll have Jonah's. Um, We'll have we'll we'll uh, put this link out, <clears throat> but I want to play something for you that you probably had no idea about, and I know I didn't either. And I'm a guy, and I got into radio. We were looking at, uh, we were worried about the fairness doctrine coming back in, and the fairness doctrine was something that was uh, kind of devised decades and decades ago to make sure that since there was a finite level of bandwidth available, at, at least in the AM dial back then. Um, that there would be political sides would be represented, whatever. It was a big bureaucratic thing to use to hit the other guy, in other words. but So listen to this. During the Kennedy administration, um, this, is, this is an attack on talk radio by John F. Kennedy. So what happened is during the 1960 election, a lot of these um, clergy and ministers around the country owned radio stations. Some of them owned hundreds of radio stations. Mm-hmm. And they would give these fiery speeches about Kennedy and and uh, hit him on his voting record and this and that, et cetera. And they were really hassling him, especially areas that were really uh, evangelical. And Kennedy, of course, was a Catholic. So they really – he took a beating from these guys. And he didn't want it to happen again. So he wins election in 60. He's inaugurated in 61. <clears throat> and like most presidents, really starts running immediately, starting to build a resume for re-election. So – Kennedy and his team decide they got to do something about these talk radio stations all around the country. Most of them are conservatives. Anyway, the ones who are making, uh, or not, I wouldn't say conservative, anti-Kennedy for whatever reason. 
So uh, check out this. This is uh, the author of this book, Matsko. Uh, Matsko, yes, talking about his book. Uh, what was that book again? Uh, the Radio Right here about how Kennedy devised and his team devised to get back, to neutralize talk radio. He was the first president to encounter mass right-wing radio, uh, which is this nascent thing. But it was a problem for him in the Democratic primaries in Virgin- West Virginia. Uh, it's the first Democratic primary that has a that doesn't have a significant Catholic population. Kennedy's, of course, Catholic. That's a big deal right. uh, during the campaign. West Virginia is the test. It's overwhelmingly Protestant. So if Kennedy can win West Virginia, then he can win anywhere and he'll win the nomination. And that's what happens. Um, his own campaign tells him, here's what you need to worry about. You need to worry about these hate preachers, radio preachers who attack your, your Catholicism on the air constantly in West Virginia. The most prominent of whom was Carl McIntyre, who covered basically the whole state with radio stations by 1960. So he, he knows the that right-wing radio is a problem, and it continues to grow during his administration. It worries him in 1960 as he's running for president. He, it, it helps defeat a variety of legislation, uh, makes his life really difficult with the nuclear test ban treaty, which I alluded to earlier. Um, it's just a thorn in his side. So winning in 64 means taking down the radio right a notch. And so he goes about it using executive orders. So he commissions his allies in the labor labor movement, uh, Walter and Victor Ruther. They put together a thing called, well, we'll call it colloquially the Ruther Memorandum after meeting with uh, Robert Kennedy. Uh, and in that memorandum, they lay out here's step by step what you should do to, to um, you know, disarm the radio right. Uh, the Kennedys then, and the point of this book, this memo, we all knew it existed prior to this book. It has been mentioned mm-hmm. before, but what's never been proved until this book is that the Kennedys actually acted on it. And I've proved that with a variety of internal White House, you know, confidential memoranda. I actually have Kennedy on tape uh, discussing discussing their plans for taking on the radio right. So, um, but they acted on all of the major, all the major proposals in the Ruther Memorandum. The most notable of which were to use the Internal Revenue Service to target hmm. right-wing broadcasters with audits. You can audit the heck out of them. And even if ultimately they win in court, which most of them do, um, it's, it takes a decade. A decade of court battles, court costs. Meanwhile, your donors... Total Tea Party stuff, by the mm-hmm. way. ...aren't being able to tax, deduct, you know, deduct their donations from their mm. taxes. So it's a pure... Yeah, I talked about that a little bit. But since they can't do that, they can't get their status... <clears throat> Mm-hmm. So the people can't donate to the radio stations because they can't be a um, nonprofit, right? Because they're waiting for the IRS to do it. The IRS is hassling them, so people stop sending the money because they can't write it off anymore. Victory when broadcasters win in court eventually. So you you audit the heck out of right wing broadcasters to dry up the supply of donations to them. The other arm of this is to go after them using the Federal Communications Commission, which licenses broadcasters. Uh, uh, or licenses stations that air the broadcasters. So if you run a radio station or a television station, you have to get a license from the federal government to do so. Every time those licenses go up for renewal, uh, according to this set of rules that the FCC starts enforcing for the first time in the 1960s called the Fairness Doctrine, if someone has complained about your compliance with the Fairness Doctrine, you could have your license pulled. And so the idea was, uh, if you're worried about that, you're going to stop airing right-wing broadcasters to avoid getting these complaints against you and to avoid losing your your wherewithal, losing your your station. 
even when I was working in Treasure Radio, mm-hmm. even 10 years ago, we had a huge file called the public file that would have every complaint put there um, for anybody to see. You can go to a radio station today and walk in and say, I'd like to see the, repub- the public file, and they have to bring you to it immediately. And it's got every complaint logged, all that stuff sent to the FCC. You have to do huge reports on how you're being fair, et cetera. And that stuff was started back then. The fairness doctrine is one of these things that sounds great in theory. I mean, who's who's against fairness? It's like, are you the sort of person who votes against the like saving children bill? You know, like fairness doctrine sounds good. It was meant to encourage stations to air like all the major, which really meant both mainstream Republican Democrat views on controversial issues of public importance. So on current events. So if you aired someone saying the Vietnam War is bad, you should air someone saying the Vietnam War is good. That's what the Fairness Doctrine was meant to encourage. There was also a component which banned personal attacks, or if you made personal attacks, you had to give them response time. So if I said mm-hmm. Lyndon Johnson is uh, you know, is a, a son of a biscuit, uh, he would be allowed to then say, I need free response time to say, no, I'm not. I'm not a biscuit. <laughs> right. You know, um, that uh, the problem, and so in theory, that's what's meant to happen. But it was really easy to weaponize. If you all, if the only people you enforce it against are conservative, if is conservative speech, uh, then it's a way of suppressing of having uh, of suppressing conservative broadcasters and creating a chilling effect in which stations don't want to air conservative um, attacks on the Johnson or Kennedy administration. Um, because if they do, they'll have to, out of their own pocket, give free airtime to respondents. So right. dis- Isn't that interesting? And that's something mm-hmm. that I still remember up into the 80s, people saying that. That right. it was terrible because you'd have to always offer some kind of equal time. And that could be some schmuck on the street. It could be some flack. Courage is overtly political or partisan speech. And it is done so very purposefully. No, I mean, this is not an unintentional effect. Um, it is purposefully done by the Kennedy administration to silence dissent with the administration and its policies um it's highly successful it it turns the radio right of the early 60s into a shell of its former self we're talking about mcintyre going from like 475 radio stations in 64 to less than 100 by the end of the decade um it's a very effective way of suppressing political dissent right and of course you know back then it might have been that they were considered uh, saying hateful things and so they could go after them for that now you might say something that people consider racist or, you know, anti-trans or whatever it is. Really, they want to suppress your free speech, but it'll be done under the guise of something. We see it all the time still these days. Thankfully, when around Reagan time, they cast off the uh, the fairness doctrine. It does. He does go on to say, and um, once again, he is Paul Matsko. The book is called The Radio Right. He does go on to say that uh, Nixon used it himself in a punitive way to go after people, which you can totally see as well. But uh, it, I just thought that was interesting to see. And if you think that they're, they just weaponize the executive branch in those ways, no. No, this is uh, nothing uh, really new. Um, before we go, I want to um, hit... Did you have anything on the Fairness Doctrine, Alice? Are you okay? Um, no, only that, you know, I think... Sometimes the right when we complain about, um, you know, how Twitter is mean to us Mm -hmm. or whatever, which I mean, obviously, Twitter and Facebook are biased against conservatives. Um, You know, I think there is an element of uh, fairness doctrineness to that. Like the government has to make Twitter be fair to us. Like 
No, not really. Like, Twitter doesn't have to be fair to you, you know? And and I think that this stuff about repealing Section 230 mm-hmm. is a mistake. Um, I don't think it's going to lead to a freer internet. I think, if anything, um, it will lead to a junkier internet because... Um, My daughter's asking me why I have so many waters. Because little kids take them, Sally. Because little thieves take them in the night. And then Daddy doesn't have any water. All I want to do is have water... And the ability to, in some fashion, breathe. That's all I want in life, Sally. But little kids are everywhere. I'm not little. I know. So you're not one of the main offenders, Sally. You're more self-sufficient than those other those other people downstairs, though. They are a problem. You'll get paid and compensated to uh, inform on them, Sally. Sally's birthday is December 17th, by the way. So what would you like them to send you, Sally? You can just, uh, solicit anything. I've tried. They don't give me anything, so you can ask. Gummy mm-hmm. bear. Tell me bears it is. All right, there you go. Um, so, uh, one last thing before we go, we had I had mentioned that Walter Williams had passed away last week. Great economist, uh, I believe, worked at George Mason University. Just an incredible story. And well, I'll try to pepper some of his quotes. Uh, you know, as we go forward, I should probably grab some classic quotes from folks. But here's Williams doing something that sounds like the greed is good speech, but it takes a couple of really interesting and. Um, Kind of enlightening uh, turns. Many people think that good is done by caring for others. And, and, and my point is when people ask me, well, what's that human motivation that gets the most wonderful things done? I say greed. <laughs> I'm not talking about ripping off people, robbing and fraud and stealing. Like I'm talking sense. about people trying you- to get as much as they can for themselves. <laughs> Now, you, most people don't, you know, they never looked at it way. I said, well, I asked the question. I say, well, look, last winter you had uh, Texas cattle ranchers getting up in the dead of night in blizzards, going out, rounding up stray cows, trying to take care of the cows, make sure they're eating, and making this personal sacrifice so that New Yorkers would have beef on their shelves. You have Idaho po- uh, potato farmers getting up doing backbreaking work, sun beating down on them, fingernails, dirt underneath their fingernails, bug bites, and making this personal sacrifice so that New Yorkers also have potatoes on the shelves. Now, the question is, why are they doing that? Do you think it's because they love New Yorkers? <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they may hate New Yorkers. I'm not, the, not that wild about New Yorkers myself. <clears throat> They may hate New Yorkers, but they make sure that beef and potatoes gets New York every single day of the week. Why? Because they want more for themselves. And that's the great virtue of the free market system, is the way you get more for yourself is by serving your fellow man, making your fellow man happy. And, and that's, that's what the free market is about. And, and matter of fact, if you ask the question, the pursuit of profits, in another way, in another way, is put it. If you ask the question, if you just look around, you look at what do Americans complain about? Well, do we complain about supermarkets? What about our computer stores? Is, are there a lot of complaints about the clothing stores? No. Where where do people complain? They complain about public schools, complain about the post office, the motor vehicles department. Compare now. Cars and, and uh, television sets and clothing and supermarkets, they're motivated by profits. The uh, public education, the motor vehicle department, and, and, uh, 
and post office, they're, they're nonprofit organizations. So profit, the being profit motivating is profit motivation gets people to try to please their fellow man. Because in the free market, they, they get more for themselves by serving their fellow man. Amen. The great Walter Williams. Listen, so I have, um, since Alice has been saying goodbye, I haven't had time to say thank you. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. Um, and to you uh, leaving uh, reviews and, uh, and uh, comments or whatever, all the good stuff that you do that I know it's a pain because you get other, you got your life to live and stuff to do. But we love that you're listening. Thank you so much. And, the, and just watching on YouTube. And iTunes and Spotify, and we're on. Um, we're, Alice will tell you all about that stuff. But I just wanted to say thank you so much, everybody. We really appreciate it. You are awesome. Um, we are the Burn Barrel Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod, uh, Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast, at Burn Barrel Podcast on Parlor. Uh, you can also check us out on YouTube. We have a channel there, Tom Shaddix Burn Barrel. You can watch the videos, like, comment. You can subscribe so that you see the new videos first when they come out. Um, you can even send us an email, burnbarrelpodcast at gmail.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.